Well, welcome to the Weekly Harvest. How you doing this week? Well, here we are back into the regular season, back into the thick of things. My name is Chris Falco, Director of Game Day Operations, Community Relations with the Wee Kings, the in-arena voice of the team. That's Rob Mann. He is the radio voice of the team. Rob, the season is back, and man, how's your voice? You have had a lot of goal calls already. I've been <laughs> that, having that to rest had it. To do it. Yeah. yeah, I've been having to take it easy a little bit. I don't, uh, I'm not talking nearly as much when I'm out in public because I called 26 goals on opening weekend. I was chatting with uh, Perry Bergson. And he sent me a text at you. He said, as far as the internet era goes, the Wheat Kings have never scored that many goals in an opening weekend before. He had to go back to 96, 97, which is as far back as the records go. And the 15 goals the Wheat Kings scored comfortably the best they've had for opening weekend. It was an absolutely incredible atmosphere as well. I mean, for us to get things out of the gate like that, there's a lot of time and a lot of effort on the game day production side, right? As we prepare for the season that goes in just to those first 10 minutes. When the lights go down after the warm-up is done and the ice is being flooded and all that work of the of the hype up and then of course the the player entrances and uh, well, Rob, this was your first one, you know, with the with the Wheat Kings. Uh, what was your overall takeaway of just the start of the season? You know, hockey it was a, aside, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. There's there's definitely an element of you know chasing chasing your own tail a little bit when the game day prep begins because you're moving in as many directions as possible, as fast as possible, trying to accomplish an awful lot of things. But once the game actually starts, once the production actually begins, and all that prep work begins to pay off, and everything starts to feel more and more like it's on autopilot, and then it's just on me as a broadcaster to do my job and announce the game, it's just a very relaxing feeling. Like all that effort you put in and all that chasing you had to do during the day comes together and the result, it's pretty good. I was extremely, extremely impressed with our with our production crew and the level of what went into that uh, pregame production when it came to that first entrance of the players. It's always a big deal for the crowd, I felt, that we do them justice, right? That this is the proper introduction of the team for the season. So to work with a great company at a Winnipeg Archangel who uh, every year uh, brings out those awesome propane pyrotechnics that we love to use. Uh, we also have a great relationship with Trident who uh, set up all of the back lights behind our players this year, made it look really epic for those uh, entrances. So I thought it was off to a great start. And then right away on the ice, Rob, it seemed like the guys were pretty jacked up as well because they uh, came out firing to a quick 3 nothing lead. Yeah, they started scoring and they never stopped. It was incredible. They were un unfortunately on the wrong end of that opening night against the Regina Pats. There were definitely some things that needed to be worked out, but you could actually see the team working them out as the next two games progressed. But that opening night, yeah, shot out of a gun. The first 10 minutes were about as dominant as you can be on opening night. And uh, ultimately, the, what they learned is you need to keep that pedal down. Because a three-goal lead in junior hockey is not actually all that safe. you got to be careful. And junior hockey, it's not always a thing where you want to be playing your best anywhere near the start of the year. Of course, you want to improve. You want you want to get better. So, you know, to start out like this, of course, you're going to take it. You're not going to, you know, you don't want to struggle off the bat. But at the same time, you got to learn that the other teams just because they you know, are being dominated early like that. It's extremely early in the year, and a lot of the teams that uh, are, are in the league here 
are still waiting on the trickle-down effect from the NHL guys. And uh, even yesterday, right before the game, there was a Bobcat event uh, happening here with a great sponsor of ours, the Bobcat. And uh, myself and Marty Murray were talking to some of the people in there, did a quick little kind of hot stove thing. And the one question uh, somebody came up and asked me, and I said, well, ask Marty that, was how hard is it this part of the year to focus on your roster, make those trades when other teams don't even know what their actual roster is going to be yet? And he said, it's this crazy trickle-down that affects everything right now down to you 17 even you 15 triple a teams because guy comes back drops this guy drops that guy drops that guy so he said it's not just a dub problem it's just that time of the year when everything is so insane it's almost like an exhibition game that matters because you have all these guys who are away and you have rosters very similar to what teams would ice during the exhibition schedule i think when the wheat kings went to moose jaw it was more or less the same group of guys on both sides of the equation. The only exception was the Warriors had gotten a couple guys back from NHL tryouts there, Lucas Brendan and Atlee Calvert. But other than that, functionally the same Warriors team the Wheat Kings had met the week before. Different atmosphere, but similar result. And with that, uh, it's not all too unexpected this time of the year that a flip of the coin can sometimes determine that. <laughs> Just, yeah, who's who's going to be hot on any given night? Uh, who's got the backup goaltender with the hot hand? Because a lot of times your starting goalie is away. That was the case for the Weed Kings. It's been the case for the Swift Current Broncos. And it will be the case for a lot of other teams around the league that not only their forwards and defensemen they're having to deal with, but the number one goalie's gone. So everybody's having to deal with some pretty major holes in their lineup. And the lineups that you see right now aren't really reflective of where teams are going to be, say, about January. And you were just talking about the starting goaltender. Of course, that situation changed here for the Brandon Wheat Kings. It was it was a big day here for the club as it was announced that uh, starting goaltender Carson Bjarnason has been returned to the team. Yeah, I bumped into uh, Barney downstairs. He and I had a really good chat, and he's really happy to be back. He's excited to get going. He had a great time in Philadelphia from the sounds of it. We'll have to pick his brain about it on the, uh, the podcast one of these days. And he was telling me as well that he got in at about 4 in the morning. So he's been running on fumes a little bit. But for all that... He was out at practice today. He looked good. And I think it's safe to say that at least one of the starts coming up this weekend is going to be his. He is, after all, the presumptive and effective number one goaltender. And with that being said, it was also a a hard day around here. It's a sad day. One of the hardest things in junior hockey is when you have to say goodbye to good people and Nick Jones, Nick is one of the one of the best people that we've had here in the last few years in terms of uh, a great teammate, a great community guy, fantastic with the fans. Uh, and we got we got to just kind of clarify as well. There was some confusion on some of the posts. He has not been released. He was just simply reassigned. Uh, so he's still, you know, listed on the Wee King uh, roster. We'll talk to Marty about that uh, at some point as well, about how all that works. But uh, so Nick is still technically in the system. Um, but uh, it was a very sad day to see him go. This is the toughest part of the job. I mean, it happens on January 10th. It happens on the day you have to cut down your 20-year-old, which is October 10th. And it happens anytime you have to trade away a player that's a big part of your organization on and off the ice. And the off-ice thing for Jones is what people might not see when they look at his numbers on ice. You know what he, you know what he brought to the team. He was the backup goaltender. He was a little bit of stability back there for them. And he was fighting for a spot. Off the ice... I mean, you mentioned it in the community, and I, I got just a taste of it from the community events I saw, but I will never forget coming up from shooting videos at ice level and seeing him, you know, close to game time, mingling with fans, being really, really good with them. There was a young fan there wearing a Jones jersey that you were telling me about right after he made his uh, made his farewells and said his goodbyes, and he's going to be missed around here off the ice. 
it is one of the, one of the tougher things about junior hockey, but it's one of those decisions that it absolutely has to be made as you know these guys do get returned and, and these spots have to be made available. So Carson Bjarnason is back. You might you know he might be a little tired today, but you sure he's probably going to be good to go for the weekend. Uh, you know he's going to be excited after getting that taste of the NHL and then now getting signed, of course, and now getting back here with those guys. It's this is the year to prove, right? Like this is they're going to come on out, and I just feel like he's going to have all that energy and just have have a, a lot of motivation. I was talking with James Gallo of the Moose Jaw Warriors about this a little bit, actually, and he was mentioning that one area that a lot of teams, and arguably Moose Jaw included, that seem to be powerhouses don't have the Wheat Kings' stability on is goaltending. The Wheat Kings know who their number one goalie is and who he will be probably next year, too, because it's pretty rare for a 19-year-old goaltender to break into the NHL. You know who your goalie is in Brandon long term. Other contenders, they don't have that answer just yet. They don't know who the guy is or if the guy that they think is going to be the guy is going to mature into that role. Like in Moose Jaw's case, Jackson Unger was tremendous on opening night. I think he just kind of ran out of steam against the Wheat Kings because he faced 47 shots the night before. Obviously, it's tough to do that two nights in a row. But they don't know 100% yet whether he's going to reach the level that he displayed on opening night where he had, you know, 43 saves on 47 shots. He had an outstanding night. Saskatoon has Austin Elliott, but their backup goalie situation still has to be resolved. And there's other teams that are not sure what things are going to look like between the pipes. The Wheat Kings have an enviable position there. Ethan Eskett showed that he's ready to be a reliable backup. I think he looks like he's going to be a great player for this team. And Carson Bjarnason is the guy. You know who it is going in. It's certainly uh, certainly going to be shaping up to be uh, a very exciting year. And even though the year has officially started, like we kind of talked about before, when these guys get back, it feels like it almost restarts again. And then it restarts again. Just because every little ignition almost that, you know, when these guys get back, they, they they bring that extra level with them. And it just gets me more and more excited. And I know before uh, Brett Highland returned, we were wondering what the lines were going to look like. And then they played so well up front against Moose Jaw and Regina. And you just think to yourself, okay, Highland and Danielson can comprise two-thirds of a line on their own. Who else fills out that line at that point? You could put me out there and they would score goals. They are just that talented. So you have this freedom with your forward core now that the Weekings haven't had in a very long time. You're going to roll three consistent scoring lines, and that leaves your L4, and I say L4, they would be a, they would be an L2 or 3 on most teams. That leaves guys like, say, for example, Klippenstein and Baumuller on your fourth line. That's just a little bit scary. <laughs> A little bit. You look at through the first two games of the season, and there was uh, 15 goals scored. There was nine different goal scorers. Then you get into the game last night, and again, we're getting contributions from multiple goal scorers. Uh, Roger McQueen had two. Uh, besides that, though, Klippenstein, when he was coming down on that two-on-one, he was probably thinking shot the entire way. All right, they they set it up beautifully. They were waiting for the pass, uh, but in, in the end, he he absolutely picked it. And you're right. That's the fourth line who's able to shoot like that right now. So uh, there is is a lot of reason for Weeking Country to be excited right now. He was working on that shot in warm-ups. He was actually shooting from almost that exact spot on the ice every time. And I noticed as warm-up went on, I was talking with Pete Gerlinger going back and forth. We were playing our pregame interviews. And I noticed he was shooting from kind of the top of that left circle as a left-handed shot. And he wasn't missing. Like, every shot he took was finding Twine. And I remember thinking as he came down on that two-on-one, I remember that flashing through my mind and going, this is in. He knows exactly where he's putting this puck, and it's going there. Oh, incredible. Uh, he had a fantastic game last night. The first star in the CHL. The CHL, of course, is the WHL, the OHL, and the QMJHL. 
on most nights, any night. To be named the first star in the CHL is a big deal. There was only two games last night, so it was maybe, you know, odds a little better. But still, Roger McQueen was the first star in the CHL last night. And even if there were more games, justifiably, he still would have been first star. Uh, That line, and you were praising them on the broadcast, even we were up in the press box. Rylan Rosma, Dominic Peter, Roger McQueen. They have found such amazing chemistry for the, through the first uh, three games, and last night it was not slowing down. It's hard to boil any of those guys down to one individual characteristic. Like You can't say, okay, so-and-so's the brains, so-and-so's the brawn. Like They've all got good offensive toolkits. Rosma would probably be the fastest of the three, and he showed that on the rush that led to McQueen's second goal. Dominic Peter, if you ask the coaches what makes him stand out, his brain is the first thing they bring up. He's such a smart hockey player. Roger McQueen, I mean, pick an attribute. He's got the size, he's got the vision, he's got the reach, he's got the hands, but what's really leaping off the page for me right now, not only how good his shot is, how willing he is to use it. He led the Wheat Kings in shots during the preseason. He played one fewer game than everybody else. And he's leading the Wheat Kings in shots right now. He's firing from everywhere, and his shot is heavy. Goaltenders are having trouble with it even when they stop it. That was what actually led to the goals by Caleb Hadland and Rylan Rorsma in, uh, in Brandon on opening night against Regina was the goaltender, Ewan Huey, struggled to take McQueen's shot cleanly because it's coming in so heavy that even when it hits your pads, it's popping off. With him being 6'5 as well and just learning to use his his size and his height, there was this one play last night, and we are talking about early in the office here, me and Mike, and actually Mark Delego, Billy came on up, and, and he he agreed too. Where I had to re- reenact it for him. I was like, there was this one play, and I literally reenacted. If you're watching on the video right now, you'll see it. Uh, he, he came on by, and the defender was coming up to like his, coming his left side. When he put the puck and extended his arms out, I don't care how much that kid wanted to get that puck off of Roger's stick. He's not going to be able to do it. And then he just made this little pivot move with his left foot and got around him and then pulled that long reach all the way back in to get around a second uh, player. He didn't end up getting a goal on that, but he got a great chance out of it. That little snippet, there were multiple like, ooh, you could just hear it in the crowd. When he fully learns to use that size, because he keeps growing. It's going to be amazing. Worth pointing out, he's not yet 17. He yeah. won't turn 17 until October, so there's he's still a young there's another yep. gear to be found with that young man. And at six foot five, still hasn't really filled out. You know, if he puts on 10 pounds of muscle, he could be terrifying at this level. I mean, who's going to be able to stop a kid that has that kind of hands and that kind of raw strength? He's got a fun goal song, too. Eminem, Real Slim Shady. <laughs> I, I know people like that. I could hear it uh, being sung throughout. So I don't mind if we play that a few dozen times this year. I love all of our personal goal songs. Do you have a favorite so far? Is there any one that, because luckily we've been able to play quite a few of them. Well, we haven't gotten to play Jaden Weens yet. I know that would be my, probably yeah. my personal. Like if you're asking, and nobody knows what it is yet. Yeah, so I, I can't we're gonna say keep what that, it is. No, we're going to keep that secret. Uh Because it's going to be a whole lot of fun. But I, you know what? Just for the podcast listeners, we are going to tell you this. Here's how amazing of a kid Jaden Weens is. When Jaden was traded here, uh, I had to text Marty, and this was at like 11 o'clock at night. I was like, hey, you know, super important day before a game, but uh, can you text the new guy and see what he wants his goal song to be? <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure. So Marty texts him, and he gets back to me, and he tells me it, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. So Jaden comes in the office, and we meet him, and he tells us that what he did is he went on to Facebook. He went on to the post where we asked people what Nate Danielson's goal song should be, and he looked through, and he just wanted to see what the fans thought would be a really good one, and he picked a popular one on there. So it's an awesome song. It is a great one, but 
I just, I love that. I love that. That he oh, went yeah. to that post and our page to find out what our fans would most want to hear and not quite steal it from Nate because Nate, you know, already had his pick of those songs, but he picked a great one on that list. I can't call him a pleasant surprise because I'd seen him play so much in Saskatoon. You know, I've probably seen him play 20 times in the last couple of years and I never heard a bad word said about the kid. So calling him a pleasant surprise would be wrong. But seeing how well he's played and seeing what a great kid he is, it has been really, really nice. And the fact that he's fitting like a glove on that line with Hadland and Flamond, which gives the Wheat Kings another mm-hmm. scoring trio, which can also incidentally be used against the other team's best players. I couldn't help but notice that uh, they got a steady diet of Ryder Ritchie and Sloan Stanek last night while the two of them were together. That's a pretty useful line and a great guy anchoring it. So have you ever interviewed him before? I never had during his time in Saskatoon, no. Yeah. Um, like I said, I never heard one bad word said yeah. about the guy talking with, uh, you know, broadcasters talk. We're in the communications industry and we communicate. And I'd talked with Les Lazarick about him a little bit, and Les had a lot of really good things to say about him. Hardworking kid, you could see that for sure. But his personality kind of lights up a room. Which it's You know, you never want to expect it of, of a young hockey player that they be that outgoing, that comfortable with a microphone in their face. It's just not something that's inherent within their chosen profession. But some of them do have that. Carson Bjarnason would be a guy that has that. Jaden Weens might be another guy that has that skill set in addition to his hockey skills. Never met him before. He came up here in the studio and uh, introduced himself, but knew him a little bit as a player just from what he did here in the past. And all all I knew from him being described was he's going to be a hard worker. He's going to get in front of the net. And when I was making that highlight pack for him, I knew instantly what it was going to be and talking to him. He's like, yep, I love that. That's where I like to score is in front of the net. So They're all within six feet of the net. I think our fans are going to continue to love him. And even when you look at the outpouring of support, people who are saying, like, that's it, I'm on following the Blades, and they <laughs> did, and they started following the Wheat Kings, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of love and support for him. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been great so far. I have been seeing regularly at least two Twitter profiles with Jaden Weens in a Blades jersey as their profile picture liking and sharing any tweet about him as far as the weekings go he was the kind of person who just inspired that loyalty out in saskatoon that's awesome so we are now three games into the season and your week kings have a five at a possible six points so pretty solid start here so far uh we're doing this podcast here on thursday afternoon we're, we're not live on youtube we are recording it we're going to upload it to youtube we're going to pull back the curtain here for a quick second rob because People sometimes don't fully understand just what, how much really goes on here. But yesterday was was a game day, so we were here pretty much all day until late last night, wrapping things up. We get here today. It's a very quick turnaround because you guys are gone tomorrow, and then of course we're back here Saturday. So people that don't know, we were here until late, late last night, till after eleven. Here first thing this morning, working all day. So we're gonna put this up. But then Rob, uh, tomorrow, what's your day look like? Yeah, so I'm going to get into the office before the team uh, departs because I got a few last things to touch up. And being kind of an idiot, I am going to try to sneak in a workout beforehand. Um, dedication. D- dedication, stupidity, you know, little column A, little column B. But around about 12.30, we uh, hit the trail to Moose Jaw. I'll meet you at the gym. Oh, yeah, I will hold you to that. Okay, I will sure. hold you to that. Yeah. Uh, and the, this is where the, the uh, yeah... This is where the time change for Manitoba and Saskatchewan starts to wreak havoc with your schedule. It works in your favor on the way there. So you leave at, you know, 1230. You can get there relatively far away from game time. It actually makes things a lot easier because we stop at uh, the Red Barn in Mooseman, as if you've listened to the podcast, you know. But when you're coming back... And you lose that hour. That's when it hits you on the chin because that hour comes at around about 2.30 or 3 in the morning. And the difference between 3 in the morning and 4 in the morning doesn't sound like a lot, 
until it's three in the morning and you're driving through it and you think to yourself, good Lord, what I wouldn't give for it to be 3 a.m. and not four right now. That extra hour is such a kick in the teeth, but it only goes for half the year, by which time we'll apparently be done with Moose Jaw or almost because we've got so many games against them in the uh, the first half of the campaign. But it is it is a long day with the, with a couple of time changes in there. Like I said, I'll get on the bus around uh, 1230 Manitoba time, probably get back to, uh, to the Keystone Center at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be a long time. But it's well worth it, especially when the guys come home with a win. Sunday, November the 5th. That's when the daylight savings time is going to change, and we'll match up with Saskatchewan again, Rob. So You know, we could just, and I say this closer. as somebody who lived in Saskatchewan for six years, we really could just get rid of daylight savings. You mean here? Here, like we here? could. I, you we know could. what? I, I didn't miss I, it. I wouldn't be... Yeah, I'd be fine with that too. Six. I'd be fine with that. Let's just keep it the same. Yeah. You know what it wrecks havoc is for when you have younger kids. Then all of a sudden, oh. the, the whole bedtime schedules, the it, school schedule, the it next takes day. It, it, oh. it, it takes a while for all the kids to get it, you know back into that groove. So I'd be with you for that. I don't know about the farmers. I think the farmers still like it. They might. They might have an objection there, but Maybe. I will say, hey. Saskatchewan has no shortage of farmers. They, they <laughs> managed true. to make it work. They can still farm. They can still farm. Yeah, they make it work. Just, just adjust it a little bit. Uh, so coming up this week, we have got to that game tomorrow. You're traveling back for You're going to get back at 4 in the morning then on Saturday. <laughs> and then we have a very quick turnaround. It's the Swift Current Broncos for the first time this year. We're going to get to see them. And it's a very big night for a couple of different reasons. First of all, on September the 30th, I mean, across Canada, it's going to be a day for truth and reconciliation as the... Uh, the WHL, again, has partnered up with the Orange Shirt Society, and we have got a, uh, a very special evening going to be happening, Rob, on Saturday. Yeah, there will be a lot of celebrations of Indigenous culture, and it'll be great to see. They'll have, uh, I believe, some circle dances as well. There'll be a ceremonial puck drop. There's a lot that we can't reveal just yet, uh, but suffice to say, those are those are really poignant moments. It really will. It's going to be another special one. We did a lot of last year. We're going to change it up a little bit this year, but uh, it's just it's a fantastic night as we get to incorporate uh, a lot of different culture into our game. On top of that, it's uh, going to be big for other reasons as well. It's also Fridge Magnet Giveaway Night, so uh, for all the fans coming, make sure to stop by and get your fridge magnet courtesy of Winmar. And it was just announced that that's the night where we are going to be debuting our brand new third jerseys. So there are some jersey lovers around here, as we know, and they are going to be, uh, I think, very eager to get their eyes on this. I like a good fridge magnet as much as the next man, but the jersey to me is the raison d'etre for this game. Like, if you want to be here, that's the reason to come. These things are sharp enough to cut rock. They are incredible. There's the quote right there. Sharp enough to cut rock. You're oh. in a walking quote machine. I just watch way too many movies. What's that one from? I, that's actually not from anything, but I like to think oh, that that's, just, I like to think it's done something to my brain. It constantly be. consuming that much media. Or maybe it is. Oh, what if we Google it? It comes up as like a really bad movie. <laughs> it's, it's from the room. It's from I don't know if you ever oh. seen the Tommy Wiseau film. Oh yes, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I've not seen it. I've I've heard of it because of the cult I classic. I did not hit then, her. I did not. Yes. Oh hi Mark. Oh hi Mark. Yes. <laughs> The room made it onto the weekly harvest. That is uh, something I We've did not think. We've now been, incidentally, to I both ends. Think. We've been to both ends of the movie success spectrum. We had Lord of the Rings on the last podcast, oh, and we've right. got the room on this one. Oh, we man. have run the gambit. We sure have. Uh, after Saturday night's game, it is a continue to be a very busy schedule here for your Weekings at the start of the season, as uh, there's another Wednesday game taking place, and then we got a game uh, the following Saturday. All this is kind of jammed up because it is uh, the annual West Coast trip coming up here in early October, so there are a number of games to get in. 
Yeah, that's going to be an awful lot to get into a short time. And then that is when you start to hit the trail for a real proper road trip. And the funny thing is, that's the first like actual overnight road trip this year for the Wheat Kings. So the Prince Albert Raiders came in on uh, on Wednesday night and they stayed over on Tuesday. So that's kind of them getting their first road trip out of the out of the way, getting their feet wet, so to speak. But the Wheat Kings dive right into the deep end. We're going to Lethbridge first, and then it's off to the United States. I get to show off my beautiful passport photo. No, 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 no. <laughs> Luckily, nobody gets to really see that. So yeah, thank goodness. I, I think I'd have to retire if that photo ever went out. But it's... It's a good trip because you get all the guys together and being on that kind of road trip that early in the season gives guys a chance to get to know each other early. So it is nice to get a longer trip under the belts, even if it's even if it's the longest of the year. Just get something out of the way so that the guys can get together, learn about one another, mesh as a team, and get to just have that experience, obviously, of going to the United States. Like, I'm really looking forward to that. I know the, the crowds down there get pretty wild. The buildings are on my list to see. Really looking forward to that. And it's just going to be a good trip overall. It's entirely different environment from what I've been told. I've only been able to go to uh, Seattle for for a couple of games uh, back in the championship, which was, of course, an environment all of in, of itself. But what you hear about is, yeah, like the the crowds down there, obviously the American crowd is a little bit different than the Canadian crowds. And especially in the Northwest, they're, they have a whole lot of fun and they're, uh, they bring a whole lot of energy. So I'm sure it's going to be you know a great time for, for you to get to go around and do all that. And I know the Wheat Kings have always done that trip early in the season for exactly that reason. They use this as a bonding time, right? When the team gets back and they're only, you know, a month into the year, but they've just spent half of that away with only themselves, they come back and they are such a tighter group than at the start of the year when they're all ready, right? They're excited to be back and brotherhood and all that. But when they get that time away, that is where uh, the real bonding takes place. So that's me very good. The games before that, though, so you got Swift Current this Saturday, and Swift's back here on Wednesday. So I don't think they're going to stay overnight. I don't think it's going to be a big overnight for like for like for like four nights. But they're going to be here on Saturday. They're going to go home, and then Swift's going to come back, and they play here again on Wednesday. That'll be another Willie Wednesday. How was that last night? How many hot dogs did you see out there on the concourse in the stands? I and did you? Do have any? I did have one. It was good. You had one? I okay. enjoyed it. Uh, I stopped trying to count because... Two dollar hot dogs. Yeah. They were... You looked around the concourse. All I saw was people just like double, triple, quadruple fist and carrying these hot dogs. These uh, We got a ring full of Joey Chestnuts out here. Everybody wanted the two dollar hot dogs. It was awesome. It was awesome to see. So next Wednesday, of course, that is back. Another Willie Wednesday. And the kids tickets. Only ten dollars to get the kids into those games. So it's awesome for the Wednesdays. Uh, so we got another one of those with Swift Current in town. And then next Saturday, it is the Calgary Hitman. And that game, we've had $2 hot dogs here before, Rob, but I've, as far as I know, we've never, ever had a dog-friendly game. And we're going to do that on October the 7th. You just bet I will be doing play-by-play of the dog race during the intermission. That oh, is going to be, be so much fun. I look, I, You're going to have to keep me up in the booth like you're going to have to lock me up there. I'm going to want to go down there and make friends with all the dogs. So for people who are curious, we'll give you a couple of details here, at least what we do know so far. So on October the 7th, you are going to be able to bring your dog into the game. Uh, Do you need a ticket for your dog? No, you can just bring your dog in. How's that going to work for seats? Good question. 
Really good question. Make it up as we go. We're going to figure it out. This is supposed to be really fun, right? So bring your dog, whatever. It's going to be a good time. (laughs) Sure, we're going to have fun with it. And we're also going to be opening up here in the next uh, few days registration for said dog race. So if you're listening, you just heard Rob say that, like, well, what? I want to race my dog. He's he's, he's fast. During the first and second intermission, we're going to have large and small dog races. So uh, the registration program for that is going to be opening up very soon. I'm sure on Saturday night, the game, we'll announce some details there for you. But or next week on the pod. But uh, keep track of that in our social media as we uh, move forward. But uh, pucks and paws this oh. year. You know we all we've always done pucks and paws. Love supporting. Uh, you know if it's the Brandon Humane Society, different rescue groups that we've done over the years. Uh, you know of course the, the Wheat Kings. We do charity across the region, but dogs and animals something very special and near and dear to everybody's hearts. I uh, love to do this, but this year when you get to bring your own four-legged friend in. I think it's just going to take it to the next level. I have been trying to persuade my parents to bring our Australian Shepherd up from Winnipeg. I don't think I'm winning that battle. He would have made such a good color commentator, but Pete Gerlinger's better anyway, so we'll stick with Pete for now. We have got, uh, <laughs> for now, uh, you, you know what? While we're talking about uh, you and Pete, just quick off topic, but got to say this, kudos it has been sounding really, really good so far this year. I love the chemistry you and Pete have already built up. I appreciate that. And Pete made it so easy. I mean, like, just he's a Isn't repository he a of knowledge. Just, he's an oh, absolute so beauty. So much easier. You never know when you're meeting a color guy how they're going to handle it because Pete and I had never met really before he and I uh, went out for uh, drinks one night before the season began. But we just bounce off each other really easily. He's done a great job. He made my job so much easier. I'm trying to think. In the history of the podcast 1.0, we had, I, I really think we had him on. I was going to say, you're wondering if Pete's ever been on here. I, I really, really think that we yeah. did, but... It's such an obvious choice. We must have, right? But, like, we, we talk to him, of course, all the time, and he's always broadcasting, so we maybe I'm just misremembering. I got to look back, but regardless, even if we haven't, it's been a long time. We got to get Pete uh, Gerlinger back on. I, think uh, I so. mean, longtime color guy of the team. He would bring a lot. Uh, yeah, it's in the back of my mind. I'm writing that down right now. We got to get Pete on. We got a lot that of things to awesome. write down. Incidentally, we, we this is this is how it is. The day before a game, there's always like, oh, right, there's the you list. Just actually, just reminded me of something that I have to write down. So that's yeah, that's the way it is when we're 24 hours from puck drop here. That's it, and you're also like a team of four people running a whole organization. Yeah. So uh, it's always you know yeah, it's always that lots of lists trying to trying to keep track of everything. Uh, so Rob, I I think that's pretty much it here for this week. I think we're going to pretty much wrap things up. We don't have a guest this week. Only reason is because everything was so hectic. I don't want to uh, throw him under the bus. We were supposed to have a player up here, but uh, something came up today completely unrelated to anything negative. He just absolutely couldn't make it. So it's all good, but we're going to have him on on a future episode. But uh, we weren't going to miss this. It's the weekly harvest. We said we're going to be doing this every week, Rob. So even on this day where we're basically in between game days, we had this one window, 4 to 5 o'clock. It's... It's 4.56 as we wrap this up right now. time this pretty well. How about that? We're four minutes till the, till the end of the workday here where we both have stuff to do after five and then get ready for the game tomorrow. Even though it's a road game, I still have stuff to do. You still have stuff to do. And then, of course, get ready for the Saturday game. But uh, appreciate you listening here to the Weekly Harvest Podcast. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you at uh, the game on Saturday for Truth and Reconciliation. So until next week, have yourself a good one. For Rob Mann, I'm Chris Falco. Weekly Harvest. Cheers.